I'm Xander Wilson, and welcome to another episode of the Silver Bullet Podcast. This podcast is about lessons learned in running a business, with a strong focus on startup founders and CEOs. It's all about finding out what gaps these disruptors have identified in the market, what they're doing differently to their competitors, and of course, to find out their silver bullet for business success. On today's episode of the Silver Bullet Podcast, I'm chatting with Timothy Aquino, the founder of fashion and tech startup Theodore. During the podcast, we chat about their Pocket Tailor app, COVID-19 being the perfect storm, and why your tribe and those you surround yourself with is the most important thing. So Tim, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast today. Thanks for having me, Xander. Uh, so Tim, what is Theodore for people who might not be familiar? Uh, give us your, I guess, short elevator pitch for the company. Yeah. So Theodore is a company which specializes in custom menswear. Um, and how we do that is a dual approach where we combine the old uh, traditional style of tailoring and uh, the new, which is uh, a contactless measurement app to acquire your unique body measurements. And uh, we create some um, unique pieces for our clients that are looking for something a little less generic and a little bit more custom. Yeah, definitely. And and what sort of technology are you sort of leveraging for this, this sort of new world aspect of what you're doing? Yeah, so um, we created an app and it was birthed out right in the middle of lockdown in 2021. Um, and we just saw, I guess, this need for... Um, for people to find consistency with with obtaining measurements or their own body measurements. Um, and so we built um, the Pocket Tailor app, which is available on Android and Apple um, devices. And it uses AI and AR technology to um, acquire about 60 unique body measurements, um, which we then use um, as a blueprint for us to create um, your perfect fitting garment or a, uh, a really custom garment. Yeah, and you sort of went into this a little bit already, but but when you came up with the idea for this sort of thing and, and started working through the processes of what the app might look like, yeah, so what gap are you filling in the market that wasn't being filled previously? Uh, yeah, so I, I don't know if you've had a custom garment before, but um, let's, let's use the example of uh, you're shopping for, uh, use the example for, you know, shopping for a suit off the rack. You go to... MJ Bell versus I've done that this yeah, year quite literally <laughs> somewhere in David Jones and I'm assuming you're about a 38 regular um, that 38 that size 38 could could deviate um, between different brands the same sort of principle applies in the tailor-made suit industry where um, what so the person that measures you often dictates how and, and, and how the suit is cut um, and to what preferences um, they apply. And so it's that inconsistency, which was, um, I think, a, a problem for, you know, some of the customers that I, I'd encounter in my previous, you know, um, history in the, um, in the industry. And so finding a level of consistency across the measurement um, uh, method has been, uh, yeah, something valuable for for clients to to obtain, and so um, you know the, the silver lining of COVID and its lockdown restrictions that it enabled us to really fast track the development of this technology in you know four months versus you know two years. Um, we worked night and day on it, and um, 
yeah, so here we are and we're doing it at scale. So it's exciting, um, but also, you know, really, um, really exciting for, for us to grow at a, at a pace that, you know, in this industry is sort of uncommon. Yeah, and it was, you touched on something that I was going to get to later, but obviously the impact of COVID um, has been significant on, on a lot of new and emerging online platforms and apps and all that sort of thing. Do you think that you would have sort of come to come to these ideas and maybe be where you are if it wasn't for, for the pandemic? Yeah, that's a good question. And I, you know, me and my wife are often asked that. I think it was a catalyst, but it was... It's an iceberg sort of uh, analogy where, you know, it was always in our heart to um, to start something that would leave somewhat of a legacy. Um, and there's, um, yeah, th- there was, you know, many years of experience backed up uh, to get to this point. Uh, but having said that, I think COVID, the restrictions, the lockdowns provided a perfect storm for a startup like ours to, to really be... Um, uh, uh, yeah, to give us a head start once the the world opened up. Yeah, and it's interesting we're seeing AI uh, become a bigger part of of a lot of technology, a lot of startups, a lot of these sorts of things. Is it how, how did you go about you know getting the right people to to come on board and create exactly what you wanted? Can you just dive a little bit into the process of actually creating the Pocket Taylor app and what that experience was like for you? Yeah, this was definitely. Um, a combined effort with people that I had in my world that I trusted and that had expertise that I didn't and that I lacked. Um, so it was definitely a um, yeah an alignment of of two specific people, that being my wife Zenya on the creative side and um, Sean on the tech side to to really um, bring to life what I thought was a massive benefit to people all around the world. Um, so that was the, that was the process of it. So we, we came up with the concept of, Hey, like this is where, um, mobile technology is leading, you know, and, um, we thought like, let's, let's be on the front foot. This is a new way of, of, uh, obtaining some measurements and creating more of, um, a consistency with, with this method. Yeah. And, and, and I guess putting aside the development of the app, if you can just take us back to, I guess, when the first ideas for, for Theodore started, um, where where did they come from? What sort of uh, spawned the idea that you wanted to even start your own company to begin with? Yeah, so, I mean, I've been in the industry for 15 years in the menswear industry. And, um, you know, the, the idea was uh, was birthed out through, you know, that, that experience. I'd lived in New York previous to COVID, um, COVID actually brought us back home to Sydney and then put us on this path to to launch Theodore. Um, and so that was, um, yeah, that, that was uh, many years of uh, of investment in in crafting the skill, in understanding the market, in in you know fighting in the trenches, so to speak, to know every part of of the industry um, that I was going to commit my life to. So. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and if you think back to, I guess, you know, your previous roles and previous companies, um, 
how did your how did those experiences inform the way you wanted to build Theodore as a company? Were, were there, I guess, cultural practices that you wanted to instill? Or were there, you know, business practices that you wanted to instill? And then, I guess, on the other side of it, were there any companies you worked at previously where you know you can name them or not name them, but they had perhaps business or cultural practices that you wanted to avoid in your own company? Absolutely, I uh, I think that was. Um... Yeah, that was a contributing factor, living vicariously through the leadership of past employers, um, but also, you know, gaining, you know, some positive takeaways around, um, yeah, how, how, how the company was structured and, and formed with my previous roles. Um, how, do, how do I say this without <laughs> throwing too much uh, shade? But uh, having said that, I think, like, overall, the... The cumulative experience that I acquired with um, the companies I worked previous all have equally contributed and shaped to how we run our practice here. And um, every detail from how we encourage our our staff to uh, the training, the implementation of... um, uh, of, of best practice, um, but most importantly, how effective leadership is displayed. Um, I think that's what produces and creates a, a foundation that is going to be longer lasting and leaving a, an impact with, um, with our staff. Yeah. And, and what would you say your, I guess, cultural or business focuses are as as the person, the founder of the company, is it on is it on fostering a collaborative environment? Is is it about empowering your staff? You know, what what would you say your key focuses have been, and and that you've tried to you know push through to your staff since you brought them on? Yeah, so every on border that we we bring on, and um, it's a bit of like a hallmark sort of card slogan, but there's a couple. Um, you're never too big to do the small stuff. And how you do anything is how you do everything. So we, and that, as you can imagine, it, it applies to um, any small tasks that they execute um, is an indication of, of um, ta- bigger tasks that we entrust with them. Um, and um, yeah, so that, that would be, yeah, the underpinning of, of our cultural sort of values here. Yeah, for sure. And, and I guess if you reflect on, um, perhaps some of the challenges that you've been faced with starting the company. Um, what what would you put those down to? I guess the 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 hardest things that you've gone through has it been you know funding? Has it been finding the right people? Or has it been something else entirely? Yeah, as most startups would experience, finding the right people is there's an art to it. <laughs> so um, very much so. We're we're still in the process of of, of making sure that. Uh, we're bringing the right people into the house um, and that that will be an ongoing process you know we have to be well I have to be somewhat protective with the culture that we have to protect here so um, you know that that's that was a initially yeah a challenging part because you know as a as a startup I think the biggest mistake um, I, I made um, or the leadership team made was the optimism around, how um, we can assume that people would uh, be autonomous. And 
that leaving loose boundaries like that invites complacency, familiarity, all the stuff that um, produces rot. Um, and so, you know, we quickly learned that, you know, as much as we wanted to be a fun young startup, like, you know, there is, um, there's value in discipline around knowing your role and knowing, knowing, um, there's not strict, but, you know, boundaries in place, um, and a structure in place. Um, but that's not to, to take the fun out of it. Um, there's just, there's just got to be a balance. It can't be all of one thing. Um, we're running a, um, a business here and, and we have a growth plan that is specific. And for us to achieve that, we need charisma, uh, confidence and, um, yeah, just, just making sure everyone's on the same page with the vision. Yeah, definitely. And I guess if you moved on to the funding side of it, um, I mean, I assume I, I, I could be wrong. Is this sort of the first time you'd been going through something like this? And what was the experience like? What were, I guess, the steepest learning curves um, when you were facing that, that challenge of getting the business up and running and, and, you know, making it sustainable, I guess, as well? Yeah, this, yeah, just to clarify, this is the first experience I, I ever had um, with, you know, this whole world of funding and, and gaining capital. Um, but uh, initially, yeah, the, uh, at the start, we were a bootstrap company. So it was all self-funded. I was out on the road um, selling out of the boot of my car. Um, and um, yeah, that, that initially fueled the first phase of, uh, of the company. And then the second phase, we um, did a round of debt funding, which uh, has all been paid off now. And that was, that was a process in which, you know, we seeked out through our internal network um, that um, people saw the promise, the vision, and um, the confidence in myself to, uh, you know, live out this vision that we're, we're, we're seeing. Yeah, and if you reflect, I guess, on uh, how far the, the company has come, how far the app has come before, uh, sorry, since it was launched, um, how would you rate the success of it? How's the growth been? And, and, and I guess what, what, what is the growth trajectory for it for, I guess, you know, downloads and consumer consumption over the next little while? Yeah, so, if, I mean, reflecting over the last 12 months, I mean, it's, it's I'm so grateful. Like, I, I think it's important. And I'm acknowledging that even though I'm predisposed to always just looking ahead and being like, hey, like, is this good enough? Like, there is this gratitude in place with how much we've achieved and reflecting upon that, <clears throat> we've generated, you know, over 1.7 mil of uh, revenue over the last 12 months. We've had about almost 1,600 in-person visit visits into our studio um, in Surrey Hills, and then we have reached about, um, in the 12 month span, about 5,500 app downloads uh, worldwide. Um, so yeah, I mean, the, the trajectory is, is, uh, is promising. And I think the expectations always self-inflicted. Um, you know, I've got, we've got specific goals in mind on, on you know, the reach and, and our revenue targets as most startup founders do but um having said that like we we are, we're appreciative of the the support that we've got we've gotten organically through our you know our customer base and um you know we, we love it we love what we do it's an, it's an it's an exciting product to sell 
So that helps. Um, yeah. And so we're just, yeah, we're, we're really um, excited for what we have in store. And there's quite a few things we actually have in the works that are um, knock on wood gonna gonna come to fruition so yeah yeah and this is perhaps a question i should have asked earlier but can you just take me through the process of you know how someone gets on the app yeah at what point do they come into the studio you know do they have stuff delivered to them you know can can you just take take me through the customer journey yeah absolutely so um as you can imagine what the best selling uh selling tool is um for us there's two avenues referrals and social media. So whether they come through Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, we were on that quite frequently, um, as our clients would know. Um, they would uh, the call to action would be to download the app. That app experience is about a ten second scan, so it's about a minute end to end, which you know acquires that uh, sixty unique body measurements that they then get prompted to go back onto our website a user-specific identifier code to plug into whatever product they want. It populates uh, a list of, I think, uh, about 12 unique body measurements, which they can see in real time to the millimeter of what the um, the app spits out. And keep in mind that um, measurement data is a raw set of data. It's not the final um confirmed a measurement that we um, we use to create the the garment it is um, just a, a raw set which goes through uh, a revision and um, a review um, through our tailors um, and yeah so you can summarize that whole experience um, as an online buyer in under you know five minutes they see something they like they get their custom measurements they plug it on the website. And then um, six six weeks later, they get their they get their custom gear. Yeah, and so at what point do they come into the studio, or is that just like another option for people? That, yeah, that's that hybrid option, and it's it's interesting because initially, like, you know, at the start, I was like, oh, this would actually be great with with overheads if we could just make this an online experience. Um, but but that's not the case. The persona of our clients. Uh, are twofold. We have those that want to feel, touch, look at garments in person, and those that don't want anything to do with any human interaction. So um, I can understand both uh, both experiences. Um, let me touch on the uh, the in person experience, which we've I think we've we we've gotten down to an art. Um, the experience, so. I'll ask you a question, actually. Like, what's your what's your favorite garment clothing item in your wardrobe? Uh, that is a really difficult question. Probably uh, just my good, decent pair of black jeans that can be worn pretty much any time and for any occasion. Okay, I was hoping for something more sentimental than that, but <laughs> let me get to my point. Usually. Your an experience is attached to value of. Um, I mean, Matt, how, 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 how's this like a, a football jersey that I bought when I was in Spain, like at, at a football ground? So there's a lot of perfect. sentimentality there. Perfect, perfect. So that's what we try to tap into that um, 
the value of a product is often attached to the experience that you had um, at that at that um that moment. So that's what we we attempt to create for our clients who have waited so long to get ready to to make a, an investment and purchase in our product that when they walk in through our doors, whether it's at a Surrey Hills um, location or whether it's at a penthouse in the Gold Coast or a inlet mansion at, in Noosa, we ensure that at every point that client feels like it's it's not an off-the-rack experience. It is, hey, this is, um, what are you after specifically? At every point, there's no... Um, fatigue with with our stylists they, they genuinely want to be there to create something special with with that client that's the consistency that we we aim for with this in-person um uh method of, of of coming of of our clients coming in yeah definitely and how do you then measure consumer sentiment is about you know app ratings do you get feedback in other ways yeah i mean it's measurable through referrals um it's measurable through you know the reviews on on the app ratings, um, Google reviews, all of that. Um, I think that that's the the strongest selling tool for our clients to actually sell for us. Um, so you think about, oh yeah, let me let me actually touch on on some wedding party testimonies. So going back to this hybrid model of in person and offline, there's often wedding parties that come in. Um, that have groomsmen scattered all around the world. And a common pain point for a lot of those guys is like, okay, how do we find suits, the matching suits for all these guys? It's just a lot of guesswork. And then often I'm sure it's been the case in the past where these groomsmen have flown in three days before the wedding. They try on the suit and it's just way off where it's just unsalvageable. So we've created this bridge where we can create that suit that uh, the bride and groom have created for the groomsmen um, and, and obtaining their unique measurements. So they get a custom suit, you know, shipped to Scotland or the US or, you know, Indonesia. Um, so, yeah, we've saved a few wedding parties that have come that have come in, you know, looking for a solution on that front. Yeah, no, that's great to hear. And I guess you have touched on this a little bit, but what are you hoping for and what are your expectations for the next, you know, six, 12 months and then a few years down the track? Where do you see Theodore being? Yeah, I think, um, yeah, not to divulge too much on some of the, <laughs> you know, that um, saying in um, Gladiator with like the whisper of Rome that you want to make sure you don't. You don't speak some secrets, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, definitely um, a mission of ours is to build such a strong um, team here. We're only as strong as our, our house here. Um, so um, we don't, uh, at the moment, intend to be opening up in different cities around Australia. We, we intend to continue on this pop-up experience um, uh, strategy where we fly into say Adelaide or Perth or Tasmania, rent out a beautiful, you know, a penthouse or, you know, big, big apartment. So our clients can, can really enjoy the experience, but um, definitely within the 12 months, we were looking at entering in um, a global city. So whether that's the UK or, or New York, 
um, we want to penetrate that market and and really take it yeah take it to the next level so yeah yeah fantastic and just to my final question which is what's your silver bullet for business success the namesake of this podcast and you know just for some background it doesn't even have to be a business practice uh, people quite often come on here and say you know it's a mindset um, you know, it could just be going for a run before work in the morning. If if you had to put, you know, getting to where you are right now down to one or even a couple of things, what would they be? Your tribe's important. Can't can't do this with without my wife and and family for sure. Like they're the ones that that have to uh, see the roller coaster of emotion when you're up at one thirty a.m. unpacking um unpacking orders. So that's for me anyway, like that's either the, the source of strength or, um, or drive. And I think, um, having, having that network, um, yeah, is is hugely vital. So that's what I think like on on a truthful front, like for sure, like we're still sub two years into the business. And as you know, interviewing other founders, like it is a, you know, somewhat of a, of a knife edge still. Like we, we haven't necessarily established ourselves in the market just yet. So every week, every day is um, we're going into to battle, so to speak. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great advice for anyone listening, looking to potentially start their own company. Um, anyway, Tim Aquino, uh, founder of Theodore, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast today. Thanks, Sandra. I appreciate your time.